You're listening to the MC Vocal Fry Podcast, your weekly dash of voice science, pedagogy, and pop culture, coming to you from the campus of Mississippi College in Clinton, Mississippi. Hello, everyone. I forgot the recording device in my house. Yeah. So we are recording on a phone. Okay. Out of mental space. Recap. Yesterday, we had the honorable. I feel like we should always address him as the The honorable. honorable. See a judge. Yesterday. We had the honorable Professor Ken Bozeman via Skype uh, for... For my undergraduate pedagogy class, Michael sat in. Fantastico. Uh, was there was were there a couple things that that were that that, that that he brought to light, or anything you wanted to share with our audience? Yes. Yes, Those of you who do not know, by by chance, um, Professor Ken Bozeman is professor at Lawrence Conservatory of Music in Appleton, Wisconsin. He has been for some, I'm going to say, nearly forty years, um, something of this nature. And uh, he is the author of Practical Vocal Acoustics, one of the textbooks that I use for my undergraduate pedagogy and graduate pedagogy courses. And he is also now the author of Kinesthetic Voice Pedagogy, also numerous articles. He's one of the best presenters you'll ever see presented at a conference. He is a plenary speaker and uh, one of the finest voice teachers, I think, in the United States. So there you have my background of him. So then, go. So, you know, he talked about a lot of voice acoustic stuff and a lot of different things and I, I think I just with that very very uh with that that uh with that extraordinary bio that uh Pernan just And gave he's me, about to retire. And he's about to retire. I just wanna say that it amazed me like what a humble person he really is and how you know, you see people in academia, this is an unfortunate truth that you see people in academia and I think just in life you know, towards the end of their careers going, I'm burned out, I've been chewed up and spat out by the system, and so, it, that kind of thing, and so, it I was, hope he wasn't imitating me. I don't know who that was. Anyways. Um, it wasn't you. I'm not, not sure. Hope not, been. hope not, not future Pernod. Also, I feel like we have to remind you of this on a fairly regular basis, I, you're pretty early in your career, if you're, if you're feeling like you've already been chewed up and spat out. Like, yeah, absolutely. And so yeah, you I, like refer to yourself as like, ah, oh, yes. I hope this isn't me. You're still at the beginning. Yep. But so Bozeman. No, don't, not at the beginning. Okay. Well, the beginning of early chapter two. I'm at the beginning of the middle. Beginning of yeah, chapter exactly. two. Yeah, exactly. So yes. anyways, Kenneth Bozeman, very fantastic because he was like, this guy's literally about to retire next year, and here he is going, going, yeah. I mean, like one of the big things you're talking about this this phenomenon he refers to as pharyngeal voice. Um, it's in some it's in some historical literature, and it's in some other stuff. It's just be kind of. Some people have been talking about it. And he had always been uh, sort of uh, against, uh, against it. Against it. He's been kind he of against it. And so one of the things that he said was, was you know, it's important to check your ego and consider that there is, his words were, consider that there may be intelligent life on the other side of the conversation. And so he began to look at that and go, huh, 
Maybe this is a thing. And so he's begun using it in his voice teaching, which is really amazing. Um, he's like, been using it and it's been effective for him. And what's, what's really incredible about this is that he's literally about to retire next year. And he's like, yeah, I learned about this pharyngeal voice thing last month. And I'm using it in my voice teaching this month. And uh, it's been really great. And it's like, you know, there's... There's so many people that would just go, that would go, I'm at the end of my career. I've been chewed up and spat out by the system. And I'm burned out on voice teaching and I'm going to, especially somebody who's like, he's written two books. He's gotten to speak all kinds of places. He has every right in a lot of ways to go, I'm going to rest on what I've created and ride off into the sunset. So, but he's not chosen to do that. In fact, He's probably the first person I've seen, one of the first people I've seen who's had such a genuine, like, just, he's he's maintained his curiosity. That's what I want to say. He's maintained his curiosity. There's a lot of folks that you can't say that about, but I feel like he has really maintained his his love for learning and just this, wow, what about this? What about this? You know? Like, and just this morning, I thanked him for that via email, that specific mm -hmm. thing for sharing. And then I shared with the class that, that that when he shared that that just this weekend that, that Ken had challenged my thinking on something uh, that I thought was 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 true and I have thought was true for quite a while and that was that we perceive the first format in the pharynx and the and the second format in the mouth and he he just this past summer got from Wolfgang Sauss who's an overtone singer that that that's exactly opposite uh, and and that that you should perceive the first format interactions in the mouth and the second format interactions in the pharynx, and so uh, I've been playing with that idea since Easter Saturday, um, and uh, then Michael and I played with it in his lesson on Wednesday, uh, and uh, yeah, very backwardsness. Very, and, and he even said, Ken even said when I said that, in the end. You can experience them, you, you experience everything as a system. And here we are. Now I feel like we've come full circle because I said system. We're back. And, and, and now we can sort of... Yes, any, anyway. No, it was, it was wonderful having Ken on. And, and um, I, have, I doubt Ken listens to the podcast, but if you do, thank you so very much uh, for, for joining us. We were, we were very grateful. Uh, and if you've not read Ken's books and you are a voice teacher... They are they are at the top of your assigned reading list. If if they are not the top, they are right there. Uh, Practical vocal acoustics, which is available from Pendragon Pen, I always forget if it's Pendragon Pen Pen. I think it's Pendragon Press. Because I think and, in my head I read it as. And then his his sequel, Kinesthetic Voice Pedagogy, was published by Dr. McCoy at at Inside View Press. Uh, so that was one thing I wanted to talk about today. Okay, I'm have to be looking at these questions. so get the questions out. I was say, I'm gonna get the questionnaire out in order to answer for, for them. your questionnaire. Oh, yes. So uh, this week, sometime, maybe later next week. Well, actually, before this probably gets posted, I was asked just fun on the new forum for professional voice teachers. Goodness gracious, <laughs> how, how, the I, drama! I, as much as I love the new PVT, I just like to say that the, new, title, the title for it is so pretentious. It's so salty. The new, new forum for professional voice but teachers. But that's how these things work. Voice I, teachers? I mean, for... Dramatic? <laughs> I mean, what? you do realize that the classical singer forum is the new new forum for classical singers, it's right? It's the new new forum? The I new know NNFCS. What? The new Stop. new forum. Yeah, that that's means it's it. on its Come third up with a different name. iteration. Uh, this is the 
This is the uh, second iteration for professional voice teachers, um, and the original PBT form is, of course, still up and running. But it is. But uh, going strong. Anyway, I was asked. They're doing member spotlights. They asked to do a member spotlight of me, and one of the things that they do, just to give you some background, is they ask a series of questions. And they, they just to highlight your thoughts on some things. And so the first question they ask, well, other than a short bio, which we don't, say, you I, don't need our short bio. Good, because I didn't come up with. But one. okay, so I, I asked Sarah and Michael to look at these questions. After being frozen in ice for sixty years, and cons- Michael Ham is frozen up to take up the shield again. Wait, this isn't my bio. No, <laughs> <laughs> no, that's not a thing. Um, but I hope if they ever ask you to make a bio, please start it. Like I that. shall. In fact, I'll be looking for that. If you go, I'm gonna. Commented on it. For those of you who aren't sure, that was a Captain America reference. Shh, don't insult our listeners. Anyways. Um, they know. They should know. Uh, okay, so the first question. They listen they to any of They don't watch Marvel. They know they because they know listen because to of this us. podcast. <laughs> <laughs> the first question Do you have a vocal pet peeve and why? I thought about this a lot, actually, because this was the hardest question for me to come up with an answer with. I'm not sure I actually have a pet peeve. I think it goes against, like, my personality because to have a vocal pet peeve would mean that, like, when I'm sitting there listening to people, I'm actively, like, trying to find something that annoys me. Like, Hmm. I would feel like that means that, like, because most of the people that I listen to sing are, like, my classmates, my colleagues. I want to like them. I want to find something I like. And so to have, like, something that just annoys me every time I listen to is just very anti What's it like being you? (laughs) It's very different uh, than being me. Yeah. And so I usually spend yeah. most of my time listening to people, like, actively trying to find something that I like in their voice mm. and, like, something that That's I can refreshing. compliment them on afterwards. That is so refreshing, Sarah. It's just, I don't know, like... Man, if we all took that attitude, the world might be a... yeah. I, one, one... I do it with people as people. Like, so I try to find something, like, I think that it, with every person that I have to interact with, there has to be something about them that I like, that I can relate to, that can allow me to get along with them. And so I guess I just translate that This to is so refreshing. This should be your takeaway. Oh. Yeah, okay. see uh yeah. Now on that note, one day I was sitting with one day I was sitting with uh with two under male undergraduate students t- and I I ended the I ended the conversation and I realized that I had told them Beethoven sucks. Mozart Mozart sometimes sucks. Okay. Pavarotti isn't the best. We were talking about Nessun Dorma, so that's an objective truth. There's only one Nessun Dorma, and, and it's yes, not Pancarati, it's Corelli. And just went along this list, and they're like, gosh, you hate everybody. And I was like, oh, I do, I hate everyone. Anyways. Well, I don't uh, know. Anyways. And, anyway, anyways, so my vocal pet peeve, uh, so I thought about this, I have two. Number one, um... I hate it when tenors refuse to turn over, um, and they just slide on up through Passaggio. I think that that's, uh, that's exclusively... Hashtag Juan Diego Flores. Exactly. I think that this is a phenomenon that, we've, that, that is recent, mostly because, partly because of Domingo, but I think more than Domingo, I think it's a result of an obsession with bright timbres and an obsession with... And also the fact that microphones exist in the eh, 20th Giuseppe century. Giuseppe Di Stefano did this 50 years ago. Yeah, but the way he sings up high is different, I think. Than a lot of these, than a lot of these non-turnover guys. No, I, don't think, I think so. so. I think the difference is okay. Well, regardless, I, I think, think the two other gentlemen that you just named, with Domingo and Flores, are much more FS dominant. Yeah, 
and uh, SF. You've been saying FS all no, week. No, that's how you label it. F Why? subscript S. But it's singers format. Yes, but it's, oh, it's format. Format. Singer. Yeah, singers. Okay, well, it doesn't make any sense in conversation to call it that. <laughs> Sorry, okay. Um, <laughs> anyway. <laughs> but it's, but I think it Michael has Michael got really... on me about using abbreviations for everything last night. No, it's every yeah, time there's a band, he goes, he goes, in order to sound like he's in the know, he makes an acronym yes. for it. Oh my gosh. Anyways, it, I think I, I think it, it's also related to microphone usage. Like Probably. now that there are microphones, there's less need to turn over and increase contact quotient and what, all you this. Mean, in, at the Met or <laughs> okay, we're moving on. Moving on. My moving other on. vocal moving pet peeve, though, is this idea: um, is is uh, is when mu- is when musical theater singers or basically or classical singers really when someone tries to sing in a genre that's not theirs and it clearly comes across as a cheap imitation. Yeah, that would be my number one vocal pet peeve. Like there's a there's a recording of. Norbert Leo Butts, uh, the original Fiero, who probably the most, the easiest uh, from Wicked, that's probably the the one the role also people would know. Also in Bloodline, right? The alcoholic brother in Bloodline, right? I'm just trying to think of things people would know. Uh, um, also, the original Jamie in Last Five Years. All of these things. Anyway, there's a recording of him singing "Home" by Mark Broussard live at a concert on a recording that he released, and it is so weird. Okay, because. It's clear he's trying really hard, but it's just not working. To sing rock solely. Because he sings some of that stuff. And like, Catch Me If You Can, he's singing this, you know, Breaking All the Rules, song, Don't uh-huh. Break the Rules, song, which is very much in the blues style. And he's got some of that. But then, he's, he's, man, that musical theater diction is just driven into his brain. And I mean, that bright timbre keeps coming down in there. Going the road, going nowhere, guitar packed in the trunk. I'm just like, oh, kill me. Anyway, okay, all right. So, okay, I said that my pet peeve largely kept evolving uh, as my understanding of the singing voice keeps evolving. My current, I think, pet peeve is the incessant breathiness that I continue to hear in so many singers, thanks to a lack of full glottal closure and LCA and IA involvement. Uh, anyway, so that that's mine. Which pharyngeal voice would help with? Going back to Ken. I totally tuned you out for the last 30 seconds. I think you said something about closure. Uh, clean vocal fold closure. Okay. Not breathy. Anyway, so Michael's tuning me out, like normal. Um, it's like a voice lesson now. Um, I don't tune you out during a voice lesson. What was the second? I mostly actively argue with you. (laughs) What was the second question? Do you have a myth you wish to dispel about singing? Okay, do you have a myth you wish to dispel about singing? Kind of jumping off my pet peeve. Uh, my myth that I'd like to dispel is that if you can sing clap, if you can sing clapical, gosh, clap- if you can sing classical, okay. you can sing anything. This is a myth, and so it's not true. If you can sing classical, you can sing classical. Yeah, that's an attitude that I, I I have definitely seen a decrease in the presence of, but it is still held largely of an older generation of voice teachers and largely people who are like. Not not in academia, not no. as much. As, well, there's in academia, but I'm talking. But I'm, I'm really thinking about the rural voice teacher. You no, know what I mean? I, I think it's actually prevalent in academia. Maybe I anyway. Know. I think it's less prevalent in private studios. Actually, I don't know. Who I was just thinking of, forced into teaching rock and pop styles. I, I mean, I'm thinking about like the choir teacher in Podunk, middle of nowhere, who got their probably yeah, you know probably just like yeah. Anyways, anyway. Oh, my myth. Um. It kind of annoys me when I hear singers talking and they're like, oh yeah, well, I don't drink any milk. 
because you know oh. that's bad for your voice. <coughs> I I never drink caffeine. I only drink ginger root tea, like things like that. When I'm like, no, now, now, like drinking milk is not gonna like force you, like cause you to not be able to sing tonight. Yeah, right? If you can't sing tonight, it's because you can't sing. I mean, well, maybe, I mean, there are people who have say, legitimate dairy are, allergies, but you're right? Just across the board. Yeah, that yeah. Whole pot's valuable. That yeah, kind that's of bothers correct. me. It well, also bothers which. I think this is like you said, where this is kind of a waning thing. I, I hear it less and less. Yeah. But like, I've legitimately heard people say, like, "Oh, well, you know, I'm a mezzo, so I can't belt." And I was like, "What?" If you're you're a mezzo, you should definitely belt. That's I don't think I've that's the thing I've heard. Much. Or just people that are like, "I sing um, classical, blah blah blah. I can't use chest voice. Like uh, limiting yourself that. like that." I've heard. I that. think oh, that's waning, but like, that. don't limit yourself. Also, like. It just shows ignorance to me. I don't know. You know, I think I would like to dispel both of those myths. You know, on the food topic, I'd just like to say a very formative time for me was when I went to sing a Messiah gig with Perna's wife, because Perna couldn't be there. This was in, like, 2010. And we were literally going to go into the rehearsal. We'd driven out into middle of West Virginia, about to go to the rehearsal, and she said, hey, Dr. Spivak said, are you hungry? I said, yeah. So we stopped into Hardee's, because it was the only place there, and every picture was covered in gravy. Like... Well, and so we were like, what is this? And so I was like, I'm going to be really good and I'm going to be impressive. And I'm only going to order like a plain chicken biscuit and like water. And then Dr. Spivak's like, yeah, I want this thing and I want some gravy on it. And I want some, uh, I want a I Dr. Pepper. I want a Dr. Pepper too. And I was like, this has all been an illusion. Anything's possible. I Anything's think possible. if I remember that trip correctly, my wife was pregnant. Oh, yeah. That'll do it. She was she. Pregnant? You're comparing your eating habits to a pregnant woman. It was just the fact that she was that she was like that she was like, oh, I can eat this and then sing. Oh, that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. Oh, I see now. I, I think see. I realized oh. that that had to be kind of an illusion, a myth. When like I would walk down the hall of all the voice teachers, and their trash cans were just filled with Starbucks cups, <laughs> and I was like, there's no way that caffeine is keeping you from singing. Like, if these trash cans are literally just like there's four or five Starbucks cups in them or anyway yeah my what was this question this was about myth myth. um i i said i don't think i've talked about this much on the podcast actually but one of the things that i learned about a year ago from from a a very noted voice scientist uh who i'll cite on the podcast and, and i got this from dr tom cleveland who is uh at the voice center at um vanderbilt one of the more important voice centers in the united states and, you know, this is a man who has conducted tens of thousands of stroboscopies. Mm-hmm. Okay. And he confirmed for me what I had sort of been thinking for a while, which is that you may think you can hear voice injuries from a voice, but you're probably wrong. Without actually looking on a stroboscopy at the vocal folds, if we're talking about covering injuries like nodules, polyps, cysts, uh, you know, problems with the lamina propria and epithelium, yeah, the common voice injuries, a hemorrhage, this sort of thing, you large and in part can't hear them, and you can't identify them from hearing them, and because of that, because of that conversation, and and and, and Dr. Cleveland confirmed that for me. That he said, I, I'll, he said, I, he even said, I'll think I'm absolutely sure that they have nodules. And then we'll go in there and, and they won't. Mm-hmm. But what about the concept of nodules 
not allowing for clean closure. Or a polyp, not allowing for clean closure. Can't you hear that? I'm just, I, I'm... But how? That's but but it could just be breathiness. Right, well, okay, so what I'm saying is... is, is here's, here's my is point. The, is the damage... If there's legitimate damage, does is it inaudible or is it that there are confounding variables? Which one, I'm just trying to understand what you're saying. What I'm saying is, I don't think that we should call sounds innately unhealthy. Okay. I think we should leave the term health to voice professionals who are practicing ENTs and speech paths. So would you recommend instead using, like, I know that we like the word efficient. I, I, the, the term inefficient is fine. And I, I want to preface that by saying, if there is a sound which your ears are telling you is incessantly wrong, recommend that your students seek medical care. Yeah. That's what I'm suggesting. I'm also suggesting that I, I, I dislike the concept of calling sounds healthy. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. I don't like the use of the word anymore. And understand, this is a word that used to be very much a part of my lexicon. And this is somewhere that I've evolved in that I don't believe we can hear voice health. Okay. I think there might be exceptions to that. Yeah. For example, the patients that I've dealt with who have nerve damage oh, no. of yeah. some kind... Yeah. Their problems are so specific, like, as in, they can't sing anything that requires activation of the cricothyroid muscle. Mm -hmm. So they get to a pitch, and the sound just gets crackly and goes away. Yeah. That's a, that's, but even that, is that a sign of the sound? Right. Or is that just a sign of range limitation? Right. right. I guess what I'm asking is, because you're saying we can't hear voice health, like, we can't hear voice health. Simultaneously, I'm asking, is there, are you saying, though, that there are no audible issues to 90% of these things? I'm saying that I don't don't think, yes, what I'm saying is I don't think voice teachers should ever try to tell. Yeah. That you should just, if you think something might be wrong, tell them to go get checked out. The reason I'm asking this is is that, what if you have a student who sounds at least mostly sounds pretty good and then you know what i'm saying and just like and it's like I, my worry is that someone's gonna go i sound fine but what if i secretly have a problem because i couldn't hear it right and i mean you know there are certainly questions that you can talk about how's your stamina yeah you know are you incredibly t- fatigued all the time are you know i mean th- do you, you feel eating, a lump in your throat are all you the eating time bowls of sriracha at night all the time though you know like i said it's not that you can't collect evidence to suggest that your student considers seek seeking medical, medical care. care. Mm-hmm. I don't like the term healthy sound. Yeah. I'll go or with that. unhealthy sound. That's what I don't like. Okay. Um, okay. Uh, project? Yeah, well, okay. My project, <laughs> my project is vocal I think we front. all have the same project. Great, great. Michaels has a recital in, in two weeks. Is that your project you'd like to highlight? Yes, I'm Come highlighting my recital. recital. He has to take his comps in two weeks as well. Whoa, I'm not going to highlight that I don't know what those project. are. Uh, anyway. Well, that's okay. one way to deal with it. I'm just pretending That's one way to deal with that. The next question was, what advice do you have for new teachers? 
Well, you're both new teachers, say, so I don't teachers, need your advice do from we, your teachers. Do we even have Unless opinions? you really want to give advice of what you're learning right now. I want to give advice in a different fashion because I have worked with high school students for a number of years now. Mm. And so I that would is, like... That is true. Yes. So I would like to give advice to people trying to be a high school teacher. And I would say, oh God, I did it. And I heard myself do it. Wow, what a, breakthrough, so well. what a breakthrough day. That means you Gosh. haven't been doing it as much. I know, I've noticed myself. You've been doing so well. So, you're giving advice I'm, I'm, to yes. high school teachers. Yes, young, young, young teachers who are going to be maybe working with high school students while they're also still young. I would just like to say, you need to be yourself. You need to be yourself, but you need to not be their friend. And that's hard. You need to learn how to set up good boundaries. I think that's important. Because especially if you've just come out of a collegiate world where boundaries are very blurry and you like might eat a whole chicken like while you're at your voice teacher's house, you know, like and that that's your M.O. And you go from that to being a high school teacher. You have to be you have to like make sure that those boundaries are there for your high school students because they're not college students. They're not adults. They look like adults. But I found that the best way. To, to realize that they're not adults is to ask their parents to show you pictures like to like to show you like this is what they sounded like in middle school really I'm not wanting to hear what they sounded like I just want to catch in my mind oh one year ago you looked like a child you know and so it helps me remember that you're not a real adult you just look you just like kind of look adulty yeah. my advice that I listed on the question was to seek a teacher mentor and to challenge dogma even your own personal beliefs. Can, this actually sort of goes back to what we were talking about with Ken and being a lifelong learner, is challenge what you were taught by your teacher. Seek out differing opinions, challenge them, put them through a fiery crucible, test them, seek out other people's opinions and genuinely want to know why they have them. Because so, they're very smart people who think opposite of you. And sometimes you find in life, as Ken pointed out to my class, that the people who you thought you disagreed with are the ones that sometimes you learn the most from. Makes sense. So, so there, there, there's that. Um, then they ask for our favorite performers. Do we want to list a couple of our favorite singers performers? Because we've never done sure. that in the podcast. Yeah, I guess we haven't. Um, well, I guess I always, like, well, still love, always love the voice, but I have a special soft spot for, like, Maria Callas. She was the first, like, actual operatic voice I ever listened to. Loved it. Probably was very formative as Especially when I first started singing, I think I just, I wanted to be her. Like, definitely wanted to be her, actually, really. That's about right. Life goal, it probably explains a lot of how I sang as a, as a freshman, was that my life goal was to be Maria Callas. Um, and then a lot of it kind of depends on, like, what I'm going to listen to. Like, honestly, like, if I'm listening to art song, I actually love Bar- Barbara Bonnie. I love listening to her for like sure. a lot of my art song that I sing. I Great. guess I sing a lot of her stuff. She gets me in a good place. I like it. Oh, who's my third? I had a third person that I was like, wow, I really like listening to this person. I should say their name. And now I can't remember who it is. How sad is that? I promise you, whoever you are, I do actually like you, even though I can't think of your name right now. Male or female? I think it was Anna Mafo. I've only discovered her in the last year, but I really love listening to her. There you go. That's it. Michael, you want to list a couple people? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I really love you. Did it again. I did it again. It's happening. I know. Uh, UC Beerling, always, always a pleasure. 
uh, that Atlanta recital I've probably listened to a thousand times. Well, let's not exaggerate. Probably 300 times. Um, let's see. For musical theater, I really love the voices of Jeremy Jordan uh, and Gavin Creel. I think Jeremy the two Jordan. of them have some of the best sounds um, just in terms of like high, clear, very efficient singing. Jeremy Jordan, I think, could literally just sing for 12 straight hours and then and then go do a show like incredible the most efficient Love voice, voice most efficient voice i've ever heard um I'm trying to think if there's anybody else um and of course ella fitzgerald uh just in a totally different realm of things uh just recently i've been thinking about ella fitzgerald there's a great recording of her singing summertime um uh, there's some old recordings that she did where it was just basically her and this guitarist and it's just so exposed and beautiful and like so skillful. Ella Fitzgerald, summertime, worth a listen. Anything else? Um I'm trying to think. Is there anybody else I like? There are other people I like. You know Michael thinks that Franco Corelli tried to turn his second format into a weapon. Oh yes, that's the thing. That's the thing. On the end, on the on the P on the end on the new PVT uh, questionnaire I did put they said they said Give us a random fact about singing, and rather than give a real answer, I said, "I said Franco Corelli. Franco Corelli took his second format and weaponized it, turned it and whittled it down into a knife." I also expect you, so, if you ever get selected for this, to put that in there. Oh yeah, just so you entirely. Know. Uh, if I don't see it again, I'm gonna be like, "Michael, did you forget something? Uh, Would you like to comment and okay. let us know?" It's interesting that our podcast team, so Franco Corelli and Maria Callas, were both two of my answers. Mario Del Monaco and his Esaltate was another one of my answers. Um, I, and and, and uh, I didn't also include other genres of singers. I know, I didn't think to like, think um, of, I mean, I have to. Layla Hathaway is absolutely unbelievable. If you don't know who Layla Hathaway is, you need to look her up. Unbelievable. I um, I'm a big fan. Uh, also, the, recently found, thanks to my brother-in-law, this crazy guy called Josh Dion. And oh my gosh, if you've not wild. listened to his track Vision Complete, you should look up Josh Dion, D I O N, Vision Complete, because he basically is a one man band. He's sitting there playing drum set, controller, and singing all at the same time. And I'm not saying that I love the singing so much, it's just the whole act How of does he even do using that? his brain. It's more his brain that I'm impressed with, I think, is. is uh, and and the brain is a singing is is the singing right thing. so so singing that voice. and I listed some other things of course on singing the on the on the on the on the on the forum so but but there's there's a few things uh, and the last question on the questionnaire was, oh, was there another one joy what 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 gives it's, you joy wow y'all how did I miss that question I, I guess I stopped scrolling when I got to your singing people and thought that was the end hmm. no there was in fact one more. I see that there's another one now y'all are gonna have to answer first while I actually think of an answer to this. This is like putting Sarah on the spot for a takeaway. Yeah. This is. Y'all just go ahead. I mean, well, I know what brings me. What brings me joy? Let me tell you. These are the things that bring me joy. Total silence. Five seconds of total silence. Sarah uh, would never guess that. I literally. Pistachios. I literally would never. Have <laughs> Which ever I have thrown that. away so that you didn't eat any yeah. more pistachios. I was, you know, it's funny. Because on listening to last week's podcast, it was driving me crazy. Like, I actually this morning thought about how you told me yesterday that the second handful was just to see, like, how much you could get me. And it occurred to me. 
That's so mean. Yeah, I thought about it later. I was like, that was the worst thing I've done all year. It's anyway, I was. It was like. It was like. It was like making cotton candy and just keep spinning it. I just wanted to see how big a ball of cotton candy I could make. But the ball of cotton candy was actually was, me. Sp- was Sarah. <laughs> so, anyway, so so joy. what? Specifically, the question reads: What sparks joy for you as a person? As a person. Um, freshly baked bread, which I baked I myself. I love making bread. Yeah, which I baked myself. I, there's something special to me about the process uh, of the flour and the yeast and the water and the stretching and the kneading and the beating and then the waiting and then the rising and then there's the death and the resurrection in the bread um, when you put it in the oven. And I just, there's something really miraculous about it to me. Um, and this, it just, and the crackling of it, I'm literally drooling right now, talking about this that, bread. That's gross. Um, but it's, um, honestly, honestly, Sarah's not looking honestly, 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 that when I honestly like, like that process to me brings me lots of joy and, and I'd say simple, unpretentious earnestness. It, like, I think that that, I, I talk about the bread for that reason. There's just something simple and unpretentious and earnest about baking your own bread in your house, you know? And then eating it for lunch. Yeah. You know? And so. I feel like there's so many answers to this question. I don't even know where to begin. I love chocolate. I love chocolate. I have a chocolate face. Like, Jamie makes fun of me when I first... Face or phase? Face. When I bite into something that's really chocolatey, like some dessert that's just so rich and wonderful, I I I I have a certain (laughs) smile because I love it. Are you having, like, chocolate cake at the wedding? Yes. I'm so excited. <laughs> I got to, I picked the groom's cake. I'm so much more excited for it than for the wedding cake. Because the groom's cake, it's, it's, it's like, it's like opera cake, like French opera cake, but it's not. It's these different flavors, and it's from this French bakery here. And I'm so excited. And I got three different three different kinds of the cake and I'm really excited and I'm just I'm so excited to eat this I, I just saw someone French, post about this what's French opera cake it's really good it's got these layers and it's rich and creamy and it's so good so I love chocolate like that's one thing like I get really excited I love storms I love storms I love right before the storm yeah. when it's windy and dark and tempestuous and like used to you could I could get out onto the roof from my bedroom Shh. I wasn't supposed to, but I did it. And Don't worry, before, your mom doesn't listen to this podcast. Before, yeah, that's true. No one's listening before, to this podcast. Before, before storms, I could like go like stand on the roof and like watch the wind in the trees <laughs> and stuff. Sarah. I loved that. Michael just did a full Titanic. He oh did. My gosh. Um, oh my gosh. I like it when people like get excited. Like when I'm talking to someone and I'm excited and they get excited and we're both yeah. excited talking about the thing we're excited about. I love that. Yeah. Um, and I don't know. I have lots of things that basically you'll know if you're talking to me about something and it's something yeah. that brings me joy, like a joy yeah. thing. You're gonna know pretty quickly yeah. because it just I don't know. Yeah. I get excited. I I yeah. like I like getting excited about things. Yeah. I'd like to add to my list. I enjoy watching people become themselves. You know where they're not hidden behind this other thing. Oh but when but to watch people become see people become themselves is is probably my it that sparks joy in me and so they're not somebody else they're not trying to be somebody else but they're they're just enjoying being them Ooh, i thought of another thing i love the nights before holidays christmas eve the night before easter the night before your birthday i love those nights i get really excited i have a lot of trouble sleeping i have to take like melatonin and benadryl in order to go to bed because i just i love those days i don't know i 
I don't really know why. I just, I still, it's, I loved it as a child, couldn't sleep as a kid, and it just kind of has carried on. I've never really lost, like, getting super excited about that. Okay. There's a lot. I don't think I could narrow it down to one. I, I think this is why you and I get along, uh, because I, the thing that I said that sparks the most joy for me is passionate people who are passionate about things that they do, uh, and I think it's why I, I always have enjoyed both of you, um, and because uh, you're both very passionate people, and seeing people be passionate about whatever they're passionate about is uh is something that gives me great joy and uh so that 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 is that is one of the things that i said i'm very much a heart on sleeve kind of guy and and uh yeah enjoy seeing people be passionate uh about other things speaking of passionate things that we're passionate about because of course earlier in in the little bio blurb I, I talked about my interests and whatever and if you listen to this podcast you basically know my interests you know all of our interests uh, <laughs> but did you see that that for the BAFTA People's Choice Awards that the reveal of the 13th Doctor which is not a moment from a TV show not even is nominated for one of their four best Good moments in TV for 2017 that's incredible <laughs> Just that reveal clip where she's walking through the woods and the key opens up and... I mean, it was a great moment. Do we think that's going to be the end of the first episode or the end of the first season with her? The they can't do a whole TARDIS. season without the TARDIS, right? No, I think, it's gonna, I think I that think happens be, pretty quickly. I think it'll be the end of the first episode. Uh, that's probably right. Because she's in a different outfit for, like, you know, her, her doctor right. outfit is not the outfit we see her in when she finds the TARDIS. And how did she change clothes? But also there's she lots have of money. wasn't there I feel like there were other doctors that were presented in promotional material in the clothes that weren't theirs. That was yes, just like random. Oh yes. That but was still, just random. It was like, you gotta have the tar I just, I think she's gonna find it quickly. So okay. We are almost out of time. Yeah. Um we are when you listen to this, you will be in a on a thirteen day countdown. To Infinity War when you hear this podcast. Well, we really do have to, like, next time we podcast, go through that. that so we really thing. need to schedule a time to go through the, the old one. Yeah. And I'll edit the audio of that this week because we need to, we need to, we need to set a, a, a. We need to drop it. We need to listen to through that and, and see if we still agree with ourselves or completely disagree with ourselves or, yeah. or what have you because the rumor mill is. This week in our world, um, so last week to you people, uh, the Russo brothers posted a letter from Ooh, Thanos. Um, hashtag Thanos demands your silence because apparently, Thanos apparently, at, we're all wrong. Apparently, we're all wrong, and that none of the trailers reveal the actual plot of the movie. Um, that in no way is the plot of this movie revealed in the trailers. Which does make me wonder if Doctor Strange is just going to time teleport everybody all over the place. Uh, and that's why he needed to know the script. Um, it also makes me wonder yeah. if everyone's going to die. And then, uh, and then Doctor Strange will bring them all back to life out of the past. Um, who knows? Who knows? At this point, we're in a who knows world. Um, I'm ready. I love this. I love not knowing. We are in a who knows world, and the countdown is real, and the countdown is intense at this point, and yeah, 
Any, any any thoughts on Avengers really quickly? I have we... a lot of thoughts that can't be said quickly. Okay. So yeah. I will abstain. Yeah. Okay. All right. I, I have a feeling that the next two weeks are going to be very Avengers centric. So because this episode will go up next week, which is the thirteenth, and then the twentieth and the twenty seventh are going to be well, yeah, totally Avengers centric. Ready? So, so we're glad we talked about singing a whole bunch today. Because we're not going to do it next because week. Because we're not going to do it for the next two weeks. So thank Avengers. you, our loyal fans. And just as a heads up, for those of you who are expecting on your Friday morning commute to listen to our podcast on the 27th, we won't oh, be posting yeah. that episode till later, that late that night. Yeah, because we're going to go see Avengers. Ha! Okay. Takeaways. Um. Breakfast. Oh, I made chocolate chip muffins today, and I did not drop them in the bottom of the oven. Good for you. Good for you. Did you use tongs? No. I put on one of those (laughs) oven mitts, and I reached in and grabbed it. Okay, great. (laughs) Actually, I put oven mitts on both my hands so that I didn't risk. We're we're proud of you. Oh, my God. Takeaways. Takeaways. So, uh, I don't know if I've mentioned this name before on the podcast, but uh, because I've been using him for a project uh, for... Uh, comparative arts class here at MC. Uh, we had to present on a 21st century artist, so I'm going to talk about uh, this, this artist named uh, Makoto Fujimura. Uh, he is a Japanese American artist. Uh, I really appreciate him because he's he's very unique. He's a he's a Christian. He's Japanese, and he's an artist. That's a lot of things that are like interesting combination. It's very rare. Um, less than one tenth of one percent of Japanese people are Christians. Um, and what really impresses me uh, is just the way that he sees things. Um, he's written this book. This is my takeaway, particularly. Is he's written this book called Culture Care, Reconnecting with Beauty for Our Common Life. Um, and the book is about uh, how culture is not like the Poland of the, of the war, where everyone's fighting for the territory, but nobody actually cares about Poland. Um, oh, yeah. But it's, in fact, culture is a soil to be tended uh, and it's about and so like like the one of the ideas he presents is rather than asking what can I take from the world today, it's what do you want to make today, you know? And so it's a question that that he found at charter school constantly asking people, what do you want to make today? So that's my takeaway. What do you want to make today? What do you want to add to the world today? What do you want to create today? And so and then I think if we shifted our thought our thoughts in that direction, it would be really great. Makoto Fujimura, look him up. He's got lots of great writing and his art is also incredible. FYI, so. You know how we all love... This is my takeaway. You know how we all love Doctor Who because... We know that the characters are going to leave the show. Yeah. And we know that our heartstrings are going to be pulled out. Mm -hmm. And yet that's why we love the show. Yeah. Yeah. And yet we still watch it. Yeah, it's called catharsis. prepare yourself for it, huh? You're you're going through catharsis. I know that my heart. So like sort of like when Matt Smith already in season six, it, they're like teasing the fact that he has to go to Trenslore. You know, yeah, even so though even though we still have torturing. all of series you're seven. You're gonna watch that episode because you know you want Granted, to cry a lot. Sometimes. Well, you watch Trenslore because you know you want to cry a lot. You watch Doomsday because you know you want to cry a lot. That's I literally, right. I literally have a friend that like she has trouble crying, but like so when she knows she needs to cry, she watches Doomsday. That's I awesome. mean, I mean that's a that's a legitimate thing. I mean, so if you're not familiar with Doctor Who, those are very. Sad episodes. Sad ep- episodes. It's so sad. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a thing. Oh. I mean, watching Doomsday, watching 
Angels in New York mm-hmm. or Angels in Manhattan, excuse Angels me. Angels in Manhattan. Uh, that, that episode kills um, me. Watching, Literally uh, kills me. you know, watching the time of the Doctor. I mean, these kind of things where he finally gets back with River. I mean, just, just these, these 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 sorts of things. What's your takeaway? So my takeaway is that I've I've realized I've realized just this week just how real the comparison to our podcast is to Doctor Who, going back to me being the Doctor and Michael and Sarah being my companions. I thought we agreed that I was the Doctor. I don't think we ever agreed that. Well, I think you agreed no. that to yourself. <laughs> but just that moment when when you realize that like the first companion is not gonna officially oh, be no. a part of the podcast anymore. Stop. Stop. Well, no. And no, I reject this. And I can't. You and started this by talking about emotions. No, I should have known. <laughs> no, because Michael has officially told us no, 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 no. that that oh, as of June he's moving back to West Virginia. What? And this is how you tell me. And he will not be on the what? podcast officially anymore after after Sarah's Wait, wedding. I was gonna say, are that you Sarah's, leaving? Are you gonna? I'm gonna stay for your wedding. And then we're gonna. gonna so Sarah's day. officially. Sarah's what? like the season finale. Why are you telling me this? This year? isn't the way I planned to tell you this. I don't want to scream anymore, so that was just a, like, inner but outer scream. <laughs> inner but outer scream. So we're just preparing the podcast uh, audience for the fact that Michael has to go to Trenzalore. Also, the undergraduate that podcast was a now knows... That you now know that I'm moving That is a terrible to, uh, way of letting people know, of preparing... Oh my gosh. People. That's it's not... Been announced it's been on the been, podcast. It's, it's That is it's, not it's, leading it's up to Trenzalore. That's flinging us into... I know. Ha so we're on sort of a six or seven, eight episode countdown left with Shush. Michael. No, then, uh, no more. It's like a... You've done... No. <laughs> Stop it. It's Don't like we, we've teased... This is not a tease. We've teased, like, we've teased Bad Wolf Bay. I mean, This is like, not a teaser. This is smacking someone in the face with it. Oh my gosh. This is, this is, yes, yes. So anyway, oh I really You're do think the, the podcast... I hope you never have to give me other bad news. <laughs> Don't like. Uh, Sarah, I'm Olivia throwing a temper tantrum. In, Olivia anyway. jumped into the wedding cake. We're very no. glad that we still have... <laughs> we're very glad okay. I'm excited about the groups. That we still have time with Michael left, but but that there there is... We are sort of on an official countdown now, so... Anyway, just thoughts that are going through my mind right now. What's um, your takeaway? I don't have one anymore. I am on strike. I said something earlier that should have been your takeaway. I know. And oh, Sarah. It's been said. Sarah always seeks the good in people, Sarah, except for me, apparently. Sarah right is now. on strike right now. I'll come back to it. <laughs> Sarah's on, on strike, and all we have is the. <laughs> Great. Michael's leaving. Sarah's on strike. So here's the next podcast. <laughs> hey, guys. It's just me. So it's. It's me sitting but here. But Sarah would be here. I'm sitting here. on strike. Sitting here on the porch. She's just sitting here on Sarah's sitting here beside me. Just But she's on strike. She's just sitting here. Get it's going to get real awkward. It's going to be like that day we filmed the videos we've never used. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. This is a research podcast. <laughs> it's going back to that in the fall. Oh, my. Uh, anyway. All right. We'll, we'll see well, you guys later. Bye. Peace. Y'all are not good at breaking news.